Eli Morgan, who had already pitched that game, he's peeing in the uh, in our underground toilet, and I really got to go. Uh, so I start going in the sink because, uh, I mean, I have to go. There's otherwise, like, all the way up into the clubhouse is, like, that's a good distance. So I start going in the sink, and me and Eli are kind of laughing about it because, like, we're both like, all right, we got to pinch this off so we can go into the dugout to watch the boys win this game. And mid-P, you hear the loudest smack of a bat you've ever heard in your life. And then you hear everyone go crazy. And I'm like, oh, we won? Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 160 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media and presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Well, we are all set for the World Series. Here to break it all down is a guy who had a nice taste of the postseason party from my Cleveland Guardians, the now vacationing Austin Hedges. Nice old bucket hat you're wearing there, Captain, with the anchor on there. Where are you? Well, you don't have to give us specifics, but just give us a- We're in Mexico. We're in Mexico, chilling, relaxing, acting all cool. Yeah. Playing some b-ball outside of school. How how long are you going to be there? Uh, Like eight weeks? (laughs) Nah, just just, just a week. We were uh, we were originally planning on going to Italy, um, but we won we won a lot more games than uh, than I think everyone expected us to. Uh, and I was like, you know what, we need to we need to go somewhere tropical and just shut her down for about a week. Cleveland's not tropical. <laughs> when we got back from when we got back from New York uh, after we lost Game Five, it was like the heaviest sleet, snow, rain, and like. Of course, my bag was the last one to get off the plane. And, you know, it's the big leagues, right? It's awesome. But there's certain parts where, you know, it's not like just waiting for your bags at the at the baggage claim to get off the plane. You got to wait for your bag right off of the airplane. And mine was the last one off the plane. And I'm telling you, it had to be, it was like 40 mile an hour winds. It was like 30 degrees sleeting out. When I got into my car, I was actually drenched and soaked. Still upset about losing. I was like, this is unbelievable. I need to go somewhere hot and tropical. So this was a last-minute audible you guys made? Once, well, once once we beat the Rays, we were like, regardless, we were, uh, we didn't plan anything. Uh, we were just like, all right, whenever the season ends, we're just going to, it's part of, you know, what we do. Um, and, you know, anytime you make the playoffs, like it's, it's, it's a bonus. So, like, you know what, we'll see how far we go whenever uh, whenever it ends. Uh, we'll just book whatever we feel like doing. It's going to be a little pricier, but, you know, you know, we're not like going to book a full Italy trip and then make a sick World Series run and then be like, hey, guys, all right, uh, got to go on vacation. No World Series for me. <laughs> how great would that be if you had to go into Tito's office be like, you know what, uh, can Maley start Games three, four, and five. I got to run over to Italy really quick. Have you been to the Vatican, Tito? Like, I heard it's great. I got to see it. <laughs> he thinks the Vatican is probably some form of dip. You know? It sounds like a good one for him. Oh, yeah. It's perfect. Um, actually, I didn't, rec- I didn't recognize you with your shirt on. Because after Oscar hit the... And I got like half a shirt on. Yeah, that's true. It's half a shirt. You're, and I, sh- you I shaved. I shaved most of the uh, most of the sweater, so yeah. uh, I didn't think it would be as appropriate. I feel like when I had the the, the chest hair going, 
uh, it almost felt like I was wearing a shirt and it wasn't as inappropriate as just bare body. Well, you know, it can get a little nippy in October in Cleveland. So when you guys went out onto the field to go take your photo after dismantling the rays and everything there, you I did think you were wearing a sweater for a while. Oh, I thought you were talking about my nipples. Oh, you said you it gets a big, little nippy. I mean, yeah, do you have that's those fine. big, big juicy pepperoni nipples? Is that what those are? Oh yeah, that's a that's that's a happy hog right there. <laughs> happy <laughs> hog, man. So did did you take it down yourself with the, or did you have it professionally done, or did the wife help you out, or how'd you how'd you get that? The runway, you know, it's up. it's a lot. It's a lot to do, and uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe a future sponsor for you, Manscaped. They do a great job. <laughs> Manscaped. They uh, they got the the weed whacker, and that thing definitely it whacks all the weeds I got on my chest. It does, and no nicks and cuts. We love Manscaped around here as well at uh-huh. John Boy Media and the Rose Rotation. Um, when your season comes to a sudden end like that and you're playing in a decisive game, like what the hell is the plane ride like afterward? I mean, that's the first time I'd ever experienced anything like that. So, I mean, like really the whole playoff run from winning the division to, to winning the wild card round to going five games against the Yankees, like all of it was, it was it's funny because like, you know, I'm supposed to be kind of the veteran older guy on the team helping spread some words of wisdom for all, for all my young bucks that are, uh, you know, that are playing in their first postseason, that are playing in their first season. Some guys, you know, playing in their second month in the big leagues, you got Will Brennan who gets called up and like, I mean, the guy doesn't even have a month in the big leagues and he's, you know, playing in the playoffs. And I was reminding them, I was like, guys, like I've played like a thousand games in my career without playing a playoff game. Like, especially a meaningful one where, you know, I'm actually playing with fans in the stands. And so it was weird, man. It was weird. It was, it was, it was so cool because like the, the mixed emotions, uh, losing, losing game five, like it was, it was so difficult because uh, you knew, uh, you knew you had something special. Like, I mean, we all, we all showed up every day and we knew like we could look each other in the eye and be like, we can win the world series. Like no doubt about it. We're, I mean, we're gonna, we're going to go win the world series this year. So it wasn't just like a fluky, look at this run that these guys are, you know, they, they made a nice cute little run, like good for them. Like, no, like that was the reason I feel like we won so many games this year and we beat some teams, uh, especially in division that were projected to, to be better than us. Cause we like, for, for, for whatever reason, uh, I mean, there are lots of reasons, uh, but everyone, everyone kind of really believed that we were really going to do it. Um, so that's why, you know, it hurt. Um, but I think more so than than losing uh, and ending the run of the playoffs, it's like every year is always tough. The last game of the season because you're saying goodbye to all your friends, all the guys that you've literally spent twelve hours a day with every day for the last like eight months, um, and some in some really really intense moments where you've had to pick each other up, be there for each other, and then it's like oh, you're going to say goodbye. So uh, it was a whirlwind of emotions from, I think that part was kind of at Yankee Stadium, losing in the clubhouse, everyone kind of, you know, a little disappointed, a little sad. And then like, and then it kind of flipped and then we got on the plane to Cleveland. And I think everyone's like mindset, like started enjoying, we got about, we got an hour and a half left together. Let's have some fun, you know, had some beers, 
played some cards. It ended up being, uh, it was, uh, it was really special. I'm curious where your head was. You are the lone free agent on this team. Um, did you go and talk to Tito and have a special moment with him? Yeah, I had, I mean, I, I had special moments with just about everybody. I think I, I mean, I, I made sure I made a point of giving everybody a hug. Yeah. Uh, there's, there wasn't one person in that whole organization that like, isn't, isn't special in my heart that didn't do something, you know, special for me uh, individually, not just for the team. Um, but I mean, Tito's the, you know, arguably, I mean, for me, probably the best leader I've ever been around. Uh, so after the game, he was pretty busy. Um, and I just kind of kept po poking my head like by his office and, uh, and eventually, uh, someone kind of notices, like, do you want, do you want to say something? I was like, I just want to, I just want to give Tito a hug and he's got his shirt off. He probably just like got out of the shower or something and just gave him a big old hug and told him how much I cared about him. And he said some really, really kind words to me that I'll never forget. Um, just, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a special, special leader. Um, that's the, the definition of, uh, of less is more, uh, such timely, uh, his, his timeliness of when he speaks, when to actually put some things into action, uh, is, is really impressive. What do he tell you? He just—I mean, the, those are those are more, you know, that's personal. Mm -hmm. Told me. I mean, he 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 said some very nice things about um, about what I mean to him, and um, you know what what he felt like I did for the team this year, um, which is just it, it, it that means the world to me. Just you know, I was I was the kid in. Uh, rooting for the Red Sox uh, in 04, make it you know during their comeback uh, against the Yankees, and like he's the manager. I mean, I've watched the 30 for 30 documentary mm -hmm. on that series a dozen times, and so like Terry Francona for me before I ever got traded to the Indians in the first place was you know this this idol of mine, this like this legendary Hall of Fame coach that is still coaching. And then I get traded over to the Indians and this is the Indians. So people don't freak out. The team was called the Indians when I got traded. Uh, he's not the manager. It's COVID. He's sick. So I don't really get to experience that. I get, I get Sandy Alomar, which is awesome. So I get to learn stuff from him. Then the next year come in. Okay. Terry Francona going to be my manager. Guy's still sick. So I get him for about like half of a season. I get DeMarlo Hale instead, who incredible once again, uh, and uh, in his own way, one of the best leaders I've been around. Uh, but then finally this year was so cool because I got a full season of Tito, of every day, of the little interactions. Um, and uh, it was just, it was so, it's so evident to me, um, especially with what we were capable of doing uh, as a team, uh, that, that the way that that guy, his presence, I think you can't really teach presence, but uh, uh, when that guy walks into a room, like, you sit up a little straighter, you just, you check yourself and you know what you're doing because he like, he says like two things. Like he's like, the only things he cares about is you respect each other and you respect the game. And like, if you go look, look after everything you do, did though, did, did you cover those two things? Then you did something, then you did something good. Nice. Really nice. All right, more of the Rose Rotation coming your way, but I want to tell you a little bit about CSG. It is an expert and impartial third-party authentication and grading service for sports cards. And you know how sports cards and memorabilia and all that stuff has come back big time. So I want you to pay attention. 
After grading, sports cards are encapsulated in archival, durable, and crystal clear CSG holders that protect and preserve. In fact, every CSG certified sports card, it is backed by the CSG guarantee of authenticity and grade, which is the strongest in the entire industry. Collectors know that they can buy and sell with a little bit of peace of mind when a card is in a CSG holder because its authenticity and condition are guaranteed. Never compromise. CSG consistently has the best turnaround times, pricing among the leading third-party sports card and grading services. And right now, on top of everything else, they want to save you dough. Prices are 20% off for grading. Promo code gets you 15 bucks off a yearly membership. The offer expires at the end of the year on December 31st of 2022. So grade your sports cards with CSG. Get $15 off yearly membership. You just go to csgcards.com with the promo code ROSE. You'll pick up all the goodies in your gift basket, and you'll feel better about your sports card service. Let's go back to the uh, wild card walk-off, the 15-inning scoreless game until Oscar Gonzalez hits the solo homer. Um, you know, you guys still had a game to play with, which means that if you lost that game somehow, you could rally for a game the next day, which probably would have been tough, but whatever. So here's Gonzalez's walk off off of former Cleveland legend, Corey Kluber. When that swing happens, you were already out of the game at this point. You're thinking what? Well, I, you didn't know what's going to happen. I mean, I mean, then you, you saw what happened with Seattle and Houston. I mean, that went 18, right? Like it's, there's something, especially with no runner on second, like during the regular season with a runner on second, you basically assume one run every inning. And when you don't, it's like, wow, that was tough. But with nobody on, <laughs> it was like, you assumed no, you assume no runs every inning. And you knew it was going to take something crazy. Both teams, you know, we got Corey Kluber, who's pitching multiple innings and extras. I think that's just, that's pretty wild in itself. But I mean, I'd been out of the game. I think, I think, but I think I caught, I think I caught 11. I think I caught 11 of them, 10 or 11 of them. I think Luke caught the last five. So he, so I'm, I'm like, I mean, I got shoes off. I'd already got up into the clubhouse, you know, uh, hung out with the guy, all the pitchers that are up there, like nervous wrecks. And then uh, kind of going back and forth between the clubhouse and uh, in the dugout when we're on offense. And I go down, uh, I just got from done from the clubhouse. I go down and I got to go to the bathroom uh, and it's the bottom of the 15th and the inning is about to start. And I've got to go to the bathroom. And I don't know who's peeing next to me. Someone, Eli, Eli Morgan, who had already pitched that game, he's peeing in the, uh, in our underground toilet and I really got to go. Uh, so I start going in the sink. Uh, cause I mean, I have to go. There's otherwise like all the way up into the clubhouse is like, that's a good distance. So I start going in the sink and me and Eli are kind of laughing about it because like, we're both like, all right, we got to pinch this off so we can go into the dugout to watch the boys win this game. And mid P, you hear the loudest smack of a bat you've ever heard in your life. And then you hear everyone go crazy. And I'm like, oh, we won? <laughs> like, someone just hit a homer. Oscar just hit a homer. And so 
I take care. I, I kind of pinch it off, put everything away. But like, I don't have time to like button up and do everything. So I'm I basically from the bathroom. I run out unzipped, unbelted, unbuckled. Uh, and I just run out onto the field. And by the time I get onto the field, Oscar's shooting jump shots around in second base. And uh, Luke, at some point, I know, I know John Boy did a breakdown of what happened. The funniest part when I'm watching this breakdown is somehow cameras didn't catch. I must have had my, like, my hoodie was covering. I kind of did make sure of that. I was like, okay, like, I'm not just going like, to run out here like, with everything open. So I think like hoodies covering it, but it would have been a pretty hilarious part of the breakdown if, if you caught a glimpse of what was going on. Because then I tackle Luke. Luke, Luke falls somehow. I think I think it was Luke who got pummeled by the uh the water cooler. I'm in the hoodie right there. And eventually I jump on top of Luke and I've got basically nothing buttoned. And <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's that was uh, that was what happened. So, to reiterate, you're holding your peace while peeing in a sink while the Guardians are advancing to the divisional round. Yes, I didn't get to. I not until I got home back to the house did I actually see Oscar's home run. Let's not, make it a habit. Let's not make it a habit of peeing in the sink anymore. Uh, I mean, I'd be lying to you if I told you that was the first time. We got one, one bathroom, one toilet under, under the dugout, and then the next one is minutes away. And if you got to go, so a lot of times you're waiting and there's a line. It's just, you're just going in the sink. Uh, I'm not proud of it, you know, but it did happen. And maybe we should make it a habit because, you know, maybe if I was pissing in the sink at Yankee Stadium during the game, we would have won. Now we're on to something. You're right. I take it all back. <laughs> did, is that a story that you run home and tell your wife? Like, honey, I was holding my Johnson in the sink when we won. Or does the funny is thing the first is, time Chris, and I think I think you're starting to realize this too about at least about me is that's like that's a story I can tell you. That's still like that's like a three or a four. And there's so many amazing things that I wish I could tell you and tell the world that sadly I enjoy keeping my job enough where I cannot. But that's just that's just one of a million, bro. <laughs> so what you're saying is after another seven or eight years, when you're done playing baseball, we're going to have a lot of stories to catch up on. Exactly. Exactly. I've heard, uh, I got, I got some buddies that, uh, that are really good friends with some hockey players that came out with a hockey podcast after they, their careers were over, like something like after hours type thing. And they just tell completely unfiltered, like all the, all the stuff that happens away from the ice and I'm like, you know, that there's some there's some good stuff right there. Well, we can start with peeing in the sink and who knows where it'll take us next. There we go. Love it. Um, I do want to ask you about New York. So we took a two one series lead. Uh, 
Garrett Cole shoved in game four, did a really good job. The controversy was that night, your boy Naylor, you've known him forever, days in San Diego, came over in a trade together, ended up rocking the baby. And it created quite the shit storm. Cole was asked about it afterward, said, yeah, it was cute. I thought Garrett Cole handled it fine. There were a lot of people who were turned off by this. Why shouldn't they have been? Well, it's it's something that really has kind of happened all year. Um, Josh is a really, really, really special player, special human. Uh, and he, when, when big things happen uh, for the boys that he helps us do, uh, he gets pretty fired up in a very, very unique way. Um, but I think, I think things happen throughout every single game and every single sport, uh, that aren't quite as loud as that was that are just brushed off. And it just, it, and I think to a certain extent, you just have to let, let it happen. Like, it, 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 honestly, I think Garrett said it well. Like, he said it was cute, whatever. That's really – he's the only person that should really care about an opinion. If anybody's going to be offended by something like that, it's going to be Garrett, the pitcher. It's really not a shot at anybody else. But in sports, you got pitchers punching dudes out, big fist bumps, big yells, excited, hitters, bat flip, you know, doing all kinds of things. And then – you know, as a public, we like to decide which one, where, where the line is. We decide where, 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 where the line is crossed. And I think a lot of people decided that if you're going to rock a baby around the bases, that's where the line is crossed. But you can do a whole lot of other things. And, you know, the whole thing is just really up for interpretation by everybody. And when you do something like that aggressively towards a Yankee or the Yankees fans, they're going to take it to another level because that's just that's the way they are. And. Josh knows that. And I think if you read his comments after the Yankees game where they're all chanting, who's your daddy and all that stuff. I mean, the kid lives for it. If you, you're telling, he's saying like, you're telling me and the entire stadium is chanting something to try and get under my skin. And during the biggest moment of my career, like this is the coolest thing ever. So from his perspective, like he's not dumb. He's a smart guy. Like it's partly tactical. Like he wants, he wants you to hate him. So then when he goes out and crushes you again, it crushes you even more too. So, you know, like without that stuff, I think sports is less fun. Like no one wants to go watch everybody hit a home run, put your head down, shake hands after the game, high five, tell everybody, here's your participation trophy Way to go. No, it's, it's the playoffs. It's two cities that are, that hate each other, at least at the moment both trying to win a world series. You got a young kid in Josh Naylor, who's one of the richest guys of all time in Garrett Cole. And my guy goes out and he hits his like third or fourth home run. He's hit off him and he gets excited and just says like, I own this guy. Uh, we're going to do this. Like it's just, it's good for sports. And then you can react how you want, but either you have it and we're talking about it or you don't have it. And we're searching for other material to talk about. Fair. I think it's fair. It wasn't for everybody. It created a lot of buzz around it. Uh, a lot of people outside of Cleveland hated it. Um, and I think for Clevelanders, it was something fun for the most part. And I'm all for whatever you, whoever you are, be who you are, man. I just am.
I agree. I, I think that was well said. Hello? Oh, no way. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to make bets on the NBA. I mean, tonight, Magic are playing the Hornets. I know it's not too... Okay, teams. Magic are getting the first win. Take the over on the points. And Paolo Banchero Banchero from Duke is going to go over 25 points. Boom. I said it. Take it. Do the stepped-up same-game parlay, and you will be cashing in. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSE and make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code ROSE. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now back to the show. I want to move on to game five. Because of the rainouts and the schedule and all sorts of stuff, it was very different. They ended up going with a guy on three days rest in Nestor Cortez. Cleveland did not. They went with a guy in Aaron Savali who hadn't pitched in basically two weeks and hadn't pitched well against the Yankees uh, because they said they didn't want to put Shane Bieber in a situation that he hadn't been in. Um, as a guy whose job it is to catch and get guys through innings, were you surprised it was not Bieber on the mound? Did you think that was a possibility? No, I wasn't surprised. I got – if we could go back in time, I mean, I'm starting, I'm starting Savali that day without a shadow of a doubt. He's uh, what he what, what he's done his whole career. He had a little bit of struggles at the beginning of the year, but what he's done for his whole career, like the guy's a really really special pitcher, and he's got a he's basically got these two pitches that he can go out and uh and kind of he's he's kind of like Adam Wainwright. So and I think once he realized that uh, this year, he started pitching a lot better. You go watch Wainwright pitch. The guy's not throwing ninety five like he used to. He's throwing a lot of pitches in the high eighties, a lot of cutters, a lot of big curveballs. And that's what Savali can do. And I think, you know, if you go back and you look like it's a couple of pitches that the Yankees hadn't seen a lot of in the series. You know, when you go and you're facing, uh, I mean, Quantrill's got, got, a, got a cutter, but his wasn't really working. So we banged the cutter and we're throwing basically a lot of, a lot of two seamers and change ups and curveballs. Then you got Shane who's throwing you nothing but curveballs and sliders. Tristan's throwing you fastball slider curveball. When you got a guy that's going to throw you just like these, like a cutter curveball combo without a fastball, I thought it was going to be a nice combo. And I was really excited to, to see what he was going to do. I thought in my mind, he was going five innings. Uh, we're turning it over to the bullpen. We're winning the game. He looked good in warmups. He goes out in the game. And something that happens with cutter guys is sometimes the cutter starts moving downwards. And if your cutter starts moving downwards, almost like a slider, it ends up being like a bad slider that you can't really control. And so he lost command of his – that's his command pitch, too. A lot of guys, like, you're like, okay, it's a 3-0 and count. I need a strike. You're going to throw a fastball. That's what 90% of the league, 99% of the league is going to do. For Savali, it's his cutter. That's his pitch that 
If I call a cutter, I know I'm getting it in this area. And it came out and started sliding for whatever reason. And, you know, in a normal outing, he's going to be given the shot to go back out in the second, third. And there would have been no doubt in my mind that he goes out and he gives up, you know, he gives up a three-run homer. It's three-nothing. He ends up going five or six innings of three runs because you make the adjustment. You learn what, what it's doing. It's, a, it's, it's tough to make that quick adjustment, especially without having pitched in a while on that stage. Uh, it just can be tough. Um, but no doubt in my mind it was the right decision. Also, no doubt, I, I bet Shane could have gone out and done something special. But, uh, I mean, we saw what happened to Nestor. Nestor ended up getting hurt uh, in the ALCS. Like, you watch guys that pitch it more than they're used to in the playoffs – which is basically on top of the 200 innings they've already thrown. That's how careers end. You look at Kershaw and what he's done in the playoffs. It's, it's taken what he's done since making so many playoff runs, pitching out of the bullpen, velocity, health starts decreasing. Bumgarner has not been the same since the playoffs. Arietta made that playoff run. Kluber made the playoff run. You could go down the list of these elite, elite arms that were pitching – three times in a series and then coming out of the bullpen and then the rest of their careers, their velocity and everything and their injuries start picking up their velocities, velocity goes down, injuries pick up. It's sadly, it's a, it's a, it's a scary risky thing to play for right now to be like, man, you better, you sure as hell better win the world series. If you're going to do something like that, because if you do pitch Shane, you risk Shane's career significantly dropping off in my opinion. Um, and that's just something that's real right now. Um, and one of the reasons why I think Houston is being so successful right now is because they've been lucky enough to not have to overdo anybody. Now they're just going right back into the World Series and no one's going to need to pitch on short rest. Everything lines up nicely. Whereas, you know, uh, the Yankees going into that ALCS after facing the Guardians, their bullpen was trashed. It was so tired and their starters had to come in on short rest. You know, like Garrett Cole was throwing a bullpen. I'm not sure if it was just a bullpen, but he was warming up to pitch in game five against us. Like they weren't set, they, they were going to be, they weren't necessarily set up like the Astros now are to go win the series. Good explanation. Because I have to be honest with you, I'm on this text chain with my two brothers and one of my nephews. We were sitting here going, we're starting a guy who doesn't have great numbers against the Yankees. Either we go Bieber or we go full bullpen. Did they ever discuss full bullpen? I'm sure they did. Um, but as far as I knew, um, going into the series, Savali was lined up for game five. Um, and I could not have been any more confident. Okay. Appreciate you walking us through all that. Um, who's winning the World Series? Houston's one of the, the most complete teams I've played against in my entire career. This team, before they traded for Mancini and Vasquez and other dudes that are also really nasty, uh, I thought this was one of the one of the most complete teams I've ever played against in my whole career. Reminds me a lot of like the Dodgers. Um, like, like imagine the the Dodgers healthy this year. You give them healthy uh, Dustin May all year, healthy Walker Bueller. Um, we're probably talking a different story, mm -hmm. a team that might've won 125 games, you know, like Houston was a similar team. So it's going to, it's going to take a, 
the game of baseball to beat Houston, which is awesome because Philly can go out there and beat them four games in a row. Would not surprise me, but they have, uh, they got a tough challenge ahead of them. If I, if I was going to, uh, can't say the word. So I'm going to, you, uh, see, if I was going to bet, I don't think I can even legally say that. Can I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I had to choose, I think, I think Houston does it. Um, I would guess, I think they do it efficiently. I think they do it in either four or five games. Um, but if Philly, uh, but, but don't get Philly's really, really good. And uh, they're going to have to keep hitting. If Philly can hit and they can get to Verlander and Framber, uh, they'll have a shot. Well, uh, first of all, I'm, I hope you're wrong from the standpoint of I want a long series. Like I've had enough of this bullshit. We had too many days off in between the ALCSs and the World Series. We needed to carry that momentum. I, I know it's hard. I understand the scheduling aspect. I understand not wanting to go against the NFL on certain nights. But I want to see it get back to Houston for no other reason than this. The, there's an off day Thursday uh, in between games five and six. Travel back from Philly to Houston. On that off day, Thursday night football is the Philadelphia Eagles at the Houston Texans. No Can way. You imagine all the mutants that will get on a plane from Philadelphia to go down to Houston to watch their possibly unbeaten Eagles trounce the Texans, then stick in town to either try and stay alive and force a game seven for their Phillies or try and win their first World Series in 14 years. That would freaking be awesome. That is, that is an incredible scenario. Now I am fully rooting for that now, 100%. That's yep. awesome. Good time um, to be a Philly fan and good time to be a Houston fan. All you need is one, but if you got two, shit. Uh, speaking of football, remember we we talked about this months ago uh, and you hit the scenario on the head. This is like back in May because you're a um, you're a Chargers season ticket holder. And I said, hey, week five, the Chargers are in Cleveland. And you were like, yeah, perfect. You know, We'll probably have an off day because we will have wrapped up a playoff series. And sure enough, you nailed it, brother. You Dude, nailed I watched it. Like, the, I saw you posted the video. I watched it, and I was I couldn't believe it. I was like, I mean, it was like exactly what happened. Exactly. <laughs> you could not. It was five months in advance. I was like, holy shit, this is unbelievable. Like, Luke thinks that him predicting the Braves over the Astros in six games a year ago was amazing. No, no, no. You said we will probably have wrapped up a playoff series, had an off day, and I can go to the game. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. You actually didn't you do you and Tristan, didn't you break the guitar? Yeah. We went and like did the whole thing. Like we, we knew too. It was like we had to win obviously in two games. It was Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. And I was saying, like, we have to win this in two games so we can go do this. But then I'm forgetting, like. You know, I'm like a diehard Chargers fan. Yeah. And so I grabbed this guitar and I'm like, <laughs> not only do I have to grab this guitar, but that tunnel we came out of was the visitor's tunnel. So the whole Chargers defense is standing there right before we went out there. <laughs> Derwin James is like firing the boys up. He's like, you know, they doubted us. You know, we're going to come out here. We're going to show them. And I'm like, I got goosebumps. I'm like, you know, I mean, you've seen it on TV, but I got to see, like, basically face-to-face -face Derwin James fire the boys up on the road in Cleveland. And I was like, 
this is the coolest thing ever. But I'm yet I'm wearing decked out in brown stuff. And I'm about to go smash this guitar. And Tristan's doing look at Tristan. He's killing it. This guy's gonna be an actor one day. Look at him. <laughs> and oh man. I tried to get the guitar, they wouldn't let me keep it. But I don't know. Really? Oh, that's a they bummer. like do some they 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 do some uh they, they do some charity with it. Oh. So I said, I guess I guess I'll support charity. And then you freaking sit through another excruciating loss for my Browns where we get the ball back after your boneheaded coach decides to go for it on fourth and short from his own 45. All we need is like 20 yards to get a chip shot field goal and our coach stops running plays after we get 10. Bro, they're the same team. Every year the Chargers and the Browns are like they're like we're kind of good. We're going to be all right this year. Then you go watch and you're like you just you just wanted to lose this game, didn't you? Like that game was two teams trying to lose. I know. Two teams trying to lose, but sadly the Browns they want to lose just a little bit more. You're not helping. <laughs> You're not helping. What's the uh, what's the rest of the off season look like for you? You'll go back to your home eventually in San Diego, go chill, and then what? What do you do? I uh, lots of plans. I mean, we'll travel here and there a little bit. Um, otherwise, go see some uh, go see some concerts. We like seeing live music. Uh, the whole COVID stuff was a, was a bummer for us for a while, not being able to go see live events. Um, but I don't know, man. I'm kind of kind of a homebody, hanging out with my wife, my dogs, um, all the people, friends back home that I haven't seen in a while. Uh, eat good food. That's what I missed. Cleveland doesn't have the greatest food. Uh, no, we're so we're missed, big on the we're some good big food on the fried and fatty foods. We're great in that. It tastes good. It tastes right. Don't get me wrong, but I'm uh, but should be it's 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 a different off season too because I'm uh I'm 30 now, like you said. So off seasons are probably starting last year, maybe the year before, but really now it's like it's more of an opportunity to uh, uh, continue to work and grow my my future ideas. Uh, whereas, you know, as a 22, 23 year old, the off season was just shut her down from baseball, maybe have some fun, you know, go out, have all this fun, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and then be ready for spring training, be ready for the season, baseball, baseball, baseball. Now for me, the off season is now the, the free time I have to actually start um, working on some connections I would like to make for, you know, the, the future Austin Hedges brand, whatever that might be. I've got all kinds of ideas, but uh, I don't want to just try and put them into fruition when I retire. And it's like, okay, now I'm just going to go do this. Like, it's not that simple. Obviously, you know this. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'd like this off season to be a, a good opportunity to work some of those connections and get the ball rolling on some things so that, you know, I'd like to play for another five or six years, maybe. Um, but I'm definitely not. I'm not trying to be like Tom Brady. I'm not trying to play till mid forties, even if that if I was lucky enough to do that. Um, I think it'd be cool to to finish up my career on a good note in my mid thirties and uh, start the next phase of life. Good. 
Well, I hope you and your wife get to enjoy some time. It's been great uh, having you on here, you know, and your insight's amazing. You know, catchers just see the world from a different perspective, and it really helps us as baseball fans get a better understanding of what teams are trying to do and the challenges that just go into everyday baseball life. So it's been great. We will tap into your brain and, and your life a little bit in the off season, if that's okay. We don't do the Rose rotation twice a week. We do it once a week. So, you know, maybe every other month we'll say hi or whatever. Always. I'll make time for you. And then, you know, my oldest son lives in San Diego, so I get down there and love to be able to take you and your wife out to dinner at some point. Yeah. Let's grab some beers, watch some football or something too. Well, I got to, I have to work. You know, some of us got to grind away. All of them? Thursday? Monday? Thursdays are good. That's a good one. Thursdays are good. Thursday, Philly Eagles. Or Philly, Thursday, Philly Houston. Yeah, well, I will finally be done. I mean, by the way, this is not my home, in case you're curious. I'm in Las Vegas shooting the second week of BattleBots. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I need to tune in. That's why I sound like shit, because I've been yelling it for three-minute fights of these 250-pound robots destroying each other. <laughs> that's why I have no range in my voice. This is it. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, by the way, are you a beach guy, or are you uh, just sit on the patio type dude when you're in Mexico, or are you... We're, um... we're actually on a lagoon. It's like lagoon here, beach is right there. I like calm water. Uh, I like to avoid the shark's house, but I heard there's crocodiles in this one, so I'm basically going to enjoy looking at the water for a while. Speedo or uh, like regular trunks? No, uh, birthday suit, you know. Excellent. Way to clean it up beforehand, too, brother. <laughs> Have a wonderful rest of your vacation. We appreciate you taking some time. It is always great catching up with you. We'll see you in a few months, and good luck to the Chargers in that playoff run to Mediocre. All right. Thanks, Chris. Uh, for our amazing one-of-a-kind producer, Robbie Scirocco, and Austin Hedges, I am Chris Rose. We'll see you next time here on the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media.